And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. is right why would anybody want to sit on that guy's lap <laughs> that was the illustrious leader of the western world hi everybody I am Dr. Paul this is my world views broadcast thanks for joining me I'll be around for the next hour roughly telling you what's on my mind when it comes to the Christian worldview and comparing it to those that are not I'm glad you have decided to venture along with me here hopefully I can challenge you a little bit to live like God would have you to live if not you can always live in rebellion. Anyway, if you so desire and have a question, you can always drop me a line sometime. Podcast at capro.info. It's something that I did not do here the last time was to welcome our new followers. I like recognizing them because you're really what makes it worth it. If I see people joining, that means you're interested, at least to a certain degree, whether in most of the things I say, which I try to pattern after what God has said, or maybe you're just a, just a wanderer. You like collecting follow or like to make yourself a follower of a whole bunch of different podcasts, whatever the case, I want to welcome those that have joined since the last time I welcome the followers. Some of you have names. Uh, one doesn't. One is just, well, it looks like I've got a couple on here that are anonymous. But for those who are not, welcome Osawa. Uh, I don't know where you're from, but welcome Osawa. Becky. Becky, thanks for ju uh, uh, jumping in here and joining in following. Uh, Sebastian, you've decided to chime in as well. Well, not necessarily chime in, just follow. Jacob, and then Olive, and then uh, actually Olive and Derek in the last day have decided to follow the, the podcast. Hopefully I could be of service to you. Uh, as we look into God's word here, as the good news, we've been in the book of Romans for quite some time now as the Christian Constitution, as that document that I think best tells us what Christianity is about. You know, there's all kinds of people in the world today that like to identify as Christians, but... Uh, <clears throat> believe certain things, subscribe to certain things that, well, they're just not Christian. And I I just assume, you know what, if we're going to identify as Christians or define what Christianity is, it's probably a good idea to go to what God has to say about it. And I think the book of Romans best exemplifies, doctrinally speaking, what a Christian is. And really what where we're at right now, we're all the way to Romans chapter 13. Uh, what Paul has laid out here in a practical way in the last couple of chapters, since doing that little interlude of Romans 9 to 11, uh, he, he lays out here in a practical way of what Christianity is supposed to be about, how they're to behave. I mean, the chapter 12 was about the gifts 
some of the gifts anyway that Christians have that they're supposed to utilize in a way where they benefit others. You know, Christianity is not about being a sponge and soaking up everything out there and then feeling high and mighty. It's about humble service to others as you glorify God. Because really, God's the one who, by his grace, gave the gifts in the first place. And so we saw that in chapter 12, which took us three podcasts to get through because Paul was so long-winded. But because what God is God really has got to say is not what Paul has to say, is what God has to say. And things that have not been said in many Christian churches probably for decades as we make sure we got plenty of coffee and donuts. But we have little when it comes to substance and the Christian faith. So Paul talked about the practical aspect of things in the sense of the gifts and the... I I really like how it started out by the renewing of the mind. That's something that a lot of Christians are not challenged to do either. Uh, They go down and get Jesus, and then they crawl back in the world. And then they end up, because of their behavior, end up with stunted growth. They never grow up. They become basically useless. And then on the other end of the scale, Paul addressed those that are high and mighty. They just think they're everything in a bag of chips when it comes to being a Christian. And so they're sophisticated. They're not going to belong or be associated with those Low lives over there in the corner. Those people with the dirty pants and the ragged shirts. We're not going to associate with them. Oh, well, we might throw a dollar to them, you know. Nobody's looking. And say we're loving them. Uh, that's not Christianity either, either, by the way. That's That's stunted immaturity as well. It's time to grow up. You know, uh, thinking that you're high and mighty and sophisticated and whatever, because I'm a deacon in the church, I couldn't care less what you call yourself. If you're stunted and immature and you're you're treating people in, uh, in a condescending way, I don't care. That's not what a deacon is about. That's not what a church minister is about. It's about loving others unconditionally, knowing where you came from and where you're at strictly by God's grace. Because you see, if it's not for the grace of God, there go we. You, Mr. Sophisticate, uh, you could be just as easily in a homeless condition as the homeless are in many cases. Or maybe you're hiding some kind of perversion, thinking no one's going to find out. And then all of a sudden you're exposed. Uh, You know, leading a Christian life is one of humility, acknowledging who you are and where God has brought you. And you need to be thankful if you are a Christian that God has redeemed you by his grace. He could just as easily have said, "Uh, nope, you're a vessel of dishonor. And at the end of the day, you're on your way to hell. Something else that, you know, is not talked about in Christian circles much these days either, but we're going to talk about them here because that's what Christianity is about. So we come to chapter 13. And we now are going to talk about the practical aspect of a Christian and his submission to the secular government. Ooh, wow. Oh, golly. Oh, oh I'm, I'm so anti-government. I, I couldn't be more anti-government if I was. I tried to be. Well, I think it's one thing to be anti-government. But I think it's something else to recognize that the government, wherever you might be, has been established by God for several good reasons, some of which have to do with uh, curtailing a lot of what we see in society today and the lawlessness. 
Unfortunately, too many governments have decided, or government authorities have decided to kick God to the curb, and now we see the bad government, which really should be opposed. But without that foundation, we have too many people who are just out and out renegades. They want the chaos. They want the lawlessness. The antinomianism, if you want a big word there, anti-law. They want that. They don't want anybody to know what they're doing. They just want to love everybody, and they want to be loved by everybody else. Uh, what is yours is mine, and what is mine is mine too. That's how a lot of people are thinking these days. That's not how the Bible characterizes what government is supposed to be about. So here in Romans chapter 13, we're going to read through the verse, first seven verses, and Lord willing, we'll get through it by putting some meat on the bones, as we have done in the past, and hopefully you'll have a better understanding just what government is about. It's not as bad as what you see many, especially here in the United States. Maybe this is the way it is around the world, and it probably is to a certain extent. The media is just as corrupt around the world as it is here. Uh, but you'll have a, a better appreciation of what government is supposed to be about. And therefore, you can submit to it to a certain degree. The Romans, uh, the, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 13, and if you have your Bible, get it. You're going to hear me say that almost every time because I want you following along. This is how you learn the Word of God. This is how you come to a point in your life where, you know what, I'm thinking God's thoughts. And then when it comes to actual practice, You've got something to base it upon. It's not according to what Paul says here or what uh, your minister or your rabbi or what. This does, it, none of that matters. What all, The only thing that matters is what God says. And if those leaders are subscribing to what God has to say, God has given this for our benefit. Let's make it that way all the time. That way we won't stray off into the darkness. Paul says in Romans chapter 13, if you've got your Bible open, if not, I will read it to you here. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God. Attending to this very thing, Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Wow. Now I think about my government. I think about this, this person that I played here earlier. Good old Joey. Stand. You know, and it get hot. I yeah. got a lot of, I got hairy legs. Yeah, yakking to the kids. And I think, oh, Lord, this is what you've given to us in the United States. As somebody that's supposed to be leading the way in morals and authority and doing what is right. And look what has happened. Oh, Lord. If you're not in the United States at this time, be glad. You're, being, you're saying, now, wait a second here. What about all these people that are, 
that are governors or, or leaders or tyrants or whatever in our country, I'm telling you, right now in the United States, because we have walked away from God, God has given us a leader that is not following him. Not by the longest stretch of the imagination. He is corrupt. He lies incessantly. And he's lawless. He, he's, he's, the, he's the consummate antinomian. He not only subverts you know, civil law, but that which is supposed to be undergirding it. So if you're screaming to get here, you know, to the United States, you're stealing your way in or whatever, like millions have already done, and you're bringing your lawlessness with us, you're not doing yourself a favor. You'd be better off where you're at. Nevertheless, the Apostle Paul says, let every soul, literally in the Greek, let every soul uh, be in subject to the governing authorities. Those who have this overpowering responsibility to be civil servants. He tells us why, because there's no authority except from God. Now, you stop and think about this for just a second. Does this mean that everybody should bow down to evil, rotten people? The answer is no, and well, we'll get to that, you know, the more of that here shortly. No, God has set up human governments for the specific purpose of of rule and authority, because he knows that we, after all this discussion, he, the Apostle Paul has, has gone through in the previous chapters, he, we're, we're lost without God's guidance. We're inherently evil. We are selfish to the hilt and will destroy our neighbors if without we could get away with it. So God has instituted government, civic government, civil government, to try to curb that. Uh, he's the one who's responsible for it all. Now, what originally was supposed to be a good thing, and it is a good thing, that God has law and order in place, simply because that's the way God is. He is a being of law and order, somebody who is the exemplar of what goodness is about. What started out as a good thing and essentially is a good thing until we get our hands on it and we get greedy and we start thinking, you know what, we can subvert God's law and get away with it, uh, has in many instances, too many instances, not everyone, has turned into something that is ugly. The authority of God has then been commandeered by rotten people as they kick God to the curb and then start doing things on their own. If there's one passage in Scripture that tells us uh, that this whole idea of the separation of church and state is nonsense, it is right here. Because God is the one who is the person who has ordained government in the first place. And if it's ordained by God, then it should be run in a godly way. Now, there's going to be all kinds of people out there who are going to be saying, oh, separated to church and state, and all you're wanting to have is a is a, a theocracy and all this. We don't want that. We want a secular society. Uh, we, we don't want people coming in and teaching this and that because that's that just, you know, br bridges our freedom. You know, you, you, you weirdos out there, we can't have that kind of thing here. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Moron, Mr. Idiot. If God is the one who institutes civil government, to make sure that things run in an orderly fashion, as soon as you invoke this whole idea of the separation of church and state, you're running contrary to what God has established. It's not that those that believe in God and believe that God has given government for goodness uh, should be not influencing the state. It's the other way around. It's that the state, in a secular, godless mindset are to be kicking the Christians to the curb, so to speak, 
It's the other way around. And once again, if you're in the United States, and, and about 50, 53, 54% of the persons listening to this podcast right now, you're in the United States. If you're of the belief in this whole idea of separation of church and state, and you've kind of failed in, you know, given even the context when Thomas Jefferson said that, if you believe that secularism is non-religious and is something that is what the founding fathers had in mind when they established the United States, you are a fool. You are a subversive. You are one of these that is in league with, well, whatever comes down the pike then. There's so much Marxism that's kind of tried to take its place here in the United States that it has caused total chaos. The country itself right now, if I were to pull it up here, I didn't have it for this podcast at this time, but the last time I checked, we're, the, the, the government's at $34 trillion in debt. And you've got millions of illegal invaders that have, have crossed the border. You've got, you know, the medical establishment here has completely lost its credibility because of what took place during the China virus years here in, what, 2020 to 2023 or 20, yeah, I think that's about what it was. It, it, people lose credibility when God is kicked to the curb, when we quit doing things in a godly fashion. So government has been set up for good, but now that the secularists and the Marxists and the, the communists and whatever have taken over, well, we, we're going down a completely different path away from God. We're resisting what God has established. And Paul says here in, in verse 2, therefore, whoever resists those that are anti-establishment and all this kind of stuff, uh, those who resist those whom God has set up, they resist what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. And I'm telling you, right now, here in the good old USA, where I was born, that makes me indigenous, by the way, <laughs> for all those who like to play that game, oh, it's only for the indigenous people. That's, you know, we stole it from the... No, 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 no. Go check your history. But I'm indigenous. But right here in the good old USA, we're undergoing God's judgment. We're trying in some little camps that are burning around the country. We're trying under the guise of conservatism and constitutionalism. We're trying to resurrect or reform that. But I'm telling you, even in that respect, and in most ways, God is still not part of the conversation. I don't know of anybody who's come back here to the book of Romans and started with the gospel message and then tried to reform our government after it. I don't know of anybody who's done that. What I thought originally was taking place when the last speaker of the house took over and he started quoting Bible verse, I said, ah, right. Maybe we're taking a positive step in that direction. Maybe there will be repentance, but then I go, uh-oh, uh, all of the compromising that has taken place, and it's like a deja vu all over again. Not to be anti-Christian when I use the word deja vu. Uh, what we've got here is a repeat of the same corruption that's been going on for decades. Decades. And we're incurring the judgment of God because of it. Our country is in hawk like much of the world is, because it's walked away from what we talk about on this podcast and have been for the past month, few months. I think we started doing this, what, last July, something like that? We're working our way through this because it's essential. If there's ever going to be a reform, a so-called revival of the country, there's got to be revival in the church. There's got to be revival in Christian lives. There's got to be a reformation whereby God's word is the final say. But it's not there. We're repeating the same 
stupid, and I, once again, use stupid in the word, in, in, in the synonymous way of saying sin, we're steeped in sin. In this country, right now, and we're repeating the same sins of the past, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. You're talking about World War III around the world. And, you know, because it's an election year, we've got the United States, who's supposed to be this beacon of light. Oh, give me a break. Beacon of light of what? Secular humanism saying, you know what, we can manage without God? Really? That's darkness. We've got the United States, who's supposed to be this beacon of light, perpetuating this whole idea of World War III, with a warmonger sitting in the White House right now. uh, Somebody who's really, I don't think he's all there. I think he's probably three fries short of a happy meal. 99% of the time. And those that are pulling his strings are worse than he is because they're the ones that are the evil instrument that's devising all of this. And for what reason? To make the United States a godly nation? <laughs> Hardly. They're doing it to consume it upon their own lust or the very things that Paul had been talking about in the first, what, seven eight chapters of the book of Romans. And some people say, well, uh, the book of Romans is archaic and uh, out of touch with the day, uh, with our times. Uh, no, it is the perfect map to show us where we're at as people, individually and as a society. And all of the rebellion that we see taking place, this resistance against what is godly, against what is Christian. You've got people who are persecuting Christians. <laughs> so we really haven't seen total persecution. We, we haven't. A, a lot of Christians like to imagine they have, but still, even at that, we've got people who are attacking Christians, attacking what the Bible has to say in our so-called higher institutions of learning. I said yesterday, I pointed out how corrupt Harvard is. Harvard is a unitary, universalist bastion of irrationality, and yet people want to flock there, or people want to hire, you know, all of these graduates, you know, thinking that, you know what, if you've got yourself a Harvard degree, or even one of the other, you know, Ivy League schools, uh, we want to hire them because they're just so smart. No, they're not. They're stupid. They're the epitome of stupidity. Why? Because they hate God. In fact, if you get a chance, read my article on Unitary Universalism and how it is the most intolerant religion out there today. It has, I mean, I don't know, it probably gets more hits than anything else on my my website over there at capro.info. Why? Because you know what? It exposes where much of the ugliness and misbehavior and the perversion is coming from. People who are claiming to be Christians and rebel against God. And then we turn around and put them in government. And then we impose their idiocy on the rest of society. It's got to stop. If the nation is ever going to expect to survive. Now, in verse 3, the Apostle Paul then tells us there's a difference between what God has ordained and the direction that many in secular society have taken that ordination. He says that the rulers, the archons, I think what I I think of this. I think of Star Trek, the Archons. <laughs> I don't know why it just came to mind. But they're the rulers, those whom God has ordained to to have society go in a certain direction. They're the ones that are uh, under God's direct auspices to share His will with society to make sure that it runs smoothly in a lawful way. And he says, they're not a terror, literally phobos, which we get phobia. They're, they're a terror. They're, 
they're uh, they're the ones that, especially for good conduct, they're the ones that are supposed to be the the uh, preventative of evil, rotten garbage that we see take place in society. That's what they're supposed to be there for. They're supposed to be heading off ill behavior. He says they're for good conduct. They're a terror for good conduct. That's God's ideal of government. But there are those that are bad. Rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. They're to be one of those that inhibits or causes people to pause and think, well, you know what? I might be a stupid thing to go down there, rob the 7-Eleven, and shoot the... uh, uh, shoot the uh, the cash register person, the attendant there. That might be a bad idea. Why? Because if government is running like it's supposed to be, and that person does that type of a thing, then the government is commissioned, ordained, appointed, if you will, to hunt that person down and carry out or exact justice upon them. We don't do that now. In fact, it was just the other day here, in New York City, where the two cops, I think I'd mentioned this before, the two cops, the two policemen are down there, and they are jumped, uh, ambushed by a bunch of illegal invaders. And what did they do? Uh, they beat up the cops, and they I think they took one of them, uh, maybe a couple others, uh, took him to jail, and within three hours, he's let out. That is not exacting justice. That is inviting God's judgment. That's not causing evil people to pause and think, you know what, it's, I don't think we probably should be doing that because if we do, guess what? We're going to receive the due punishment accordingly. Letting them go in three hours is not doing anything. That's, that's condoning the behavior. That's doing that which is antithetical to what God has set up to cause the those that are exacting fear uh, causing them fear to do it. And then so the Apostle Paul, he asked this question, uh, would you have no fear of the one who's an authority? You, you, you don't, okay, then this is how you do it. If you don't want to be afraid of authority, then do what is good. Do what is right. Do what is morally acceptable. Don't do something that's morally reprehensible. Don't go out there and rob somebody, murder somebody, rape somebody. Because if you do, then authority is going to come back to you. I mean, the Apostle Paul had talked about this type of a thing over in Galatians. You know, if uh, you you do certain things and it's, it's going to come back to you. No, God is not mocked. What a man sows, he reaps. The problem today in, in government is the criminal is not reaping his reward. In fact, he's getting the very opposite of what he deserves. And those who are doing good, they're the ones that are reaping the penalty, the penalty of the criminal. They're being criminalized. So he says, do what is good, and you will receive his approval. The approval of the civil magistrate, the civil ruler, who is not being civil today. And this is happening uh, pretty much around the world. This is what happens when you walk away from God. And he tells us in verse 4 that God, that, that this civil magistrate, this ruler, he's a servant. This is the word we use for deacon. You didn't know God had deacons in the civil government, did you? We thought they only belonged within the four walls of the church or the church building. Oh, God has his deacons, and they're in civil government. And yet they, what are they doing? Many of them have turned their backs on God, turned their backs on those they're supposed to be serving. This is why, you know, so many people have become so exasperated here in the USA over the election process. Not that it hasn't. Not that it uh, has been corrupted, because it has been in many ways, but that those who are supposed to be servants, they're not serving. 
I've said, you know, here in Congress, you know, the Senate and the House, you know, where you got the 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 uh, represented the Congress people there like every couple of years and the, the Senate, the, those persons are elected for every six years and stuff like that. They get elected. They, they make all kinds of promises, by the way. They, they get elected and then they forget who they're supposed to be representing or even what they're supposed to be doing. It goes from serving the constituent to self-serving. That's why you see so many of these Congress people walk in dirt poor in many instances and walk out millionaires because they're no longer deacons for God. They've forgotten that. In fact, they probably go, well, I'm not, I, I got here because I ran a great campaign. You got there because God appointed you. And then you turned your back. You're supposed to be a servant for good, for what is wholesome, what is lawful, that which is decent and pure. You're not in there to be a puke. You're not in there to advance perversion. You're not in there to sexually abuse children. But we've lost our way, or at least those Congress people have lost their way, thinking, you know what, I am my own God now. I don't need to listen to anybody. In fact, I, in fact, the only person I'm going to li- listen to are those who bribe me the most. And we've got all kinds of bribery that take place in, politi- uh, in politics today, whether we're talking about in the U.S. government, all the way down to many of our city councils and the like. We've forgotten where we got our offices from. And so when some pervert comes along and wants to talk about, you know, gender equality or, you know, uh, slicing and dicing our kids and making them into, you know, Frankenstein creations of whatever, uh, we've forgotten where, you know, we're supposed to be standing against that very thing. We're there to honor God, not honor a pervert. But then Paul throws in this reminder. But if you do wrong, you do something that is cuckoon, evil. If you, Christian, if you do something that is evil, and they do, there's that possibility. Happens all the time. Be afraid. You should be a theophobe. You should be afraid of God. You should be afraid of God's appointee. And when I say should or ought, we're talking morally speaking. There's a moral obligation to the government that God has ordained. You should be afraid. Why? Because he does not bear the sword in vain. And we're talking about the executioner sword. There are certain instances given in God's word, starting clear back in the book of Genesis, where when a a, a person kills or murders, engages in a well-planned-out scheme to murder somebody, that that person's blood should be shed. That's why they should be afraid. But that's not what we're doing either these days. Those days are basically gone where capital offenses can take place. And the person is executed. Well, it doesn't mean we don't have him every once in a while. I mean, it's got to be extenuating circumstances, kind of like what took place. Was it North Carolina recently? I think it was North Carolina, where the guy was put to death with nitrogen. And then you got all of the bleeding heart, demoniacs. Oh, it was just so terrible. He he squirmed on the on the on the gurney for 20 minutes. He he, he was trying to hold his breath and find it was just so terrible. They've completely forget what the how the guy got there. It wasn't like they just plucked him off the street like he was giving out ice cream cones to little kids. 
on a hot summer day. It had nothing to do with that. It had to do with murdering somebody, stabbing the victim, like, what was it, eight times in the chest? And he was a hired hand to do it? And a pastor of all people is the one who hired him to kill the wife. And this carried on for, what they say, 36 or 38 years? You think that's really going to instill fear in anybody? I'm going to go murder somebody, and then I'm going to, I'm going to be on the on death row for 38 years. You know, at taxpayer expense. You know, enjoying ESPN and maybe a conjugal visit if I've got a girlfriend. That is an atrocity. That is a perversion. That's not instilling fear in anybody. God's word says here, you know, if, if you do what is evil, you're supposed to pay the consequences. And the more severe of the stupidity, the more severe the punishment should be. And so the apostle Paul says that, that the, governing, the, the governing authority, he's a minister. Once again, there's that word again, diakonos. He's a deacon. He's been appointed to carry out the duty in this case, of wielding the sword, the Makaira, the one who's going to carry out the uh, the surgery. I mean, it's, a, it's a dagger. I'm sure that it could probably be used for that respect too to execute somebody. There's actually a the dagger was a short sword that the Roman soldier used for up close and and personal <laughs> intervention with those who were crooks. And then you had the executioner sword, which was the long uh, sword, what, two or three feet long, and then lopped your head off with it. The The executioner sword here, this is probably one that the, the, the police used at that time. But he's a, he's a minister. He's been given that responsibility. So you didn't have, you know, vigilantes running around doing their own thing. And you remember what he said here uh, earlier in chapter 12, you know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. You know, in the meantime, you just do what is good, do what is right, so on and so forth. Uh, feed the hung- or feed the criminal or feed the evil person and give him a drink and stuff like that. For by doing so, you're going to uh, reap burning. <laughs> it says coals. I said yesterday that word is the, word we, the English word we get for anthrax. You're putting anthrax on his head, either for conviction's sake or to just let him know what punishment is coming. Here, here he says that this minister in 13.4, uh, the state, he's an avenger. He's the one who's going to exact justice. Or in this case, bring the wrath of God on the person who practices evil. But we don't do that. When we don't do that, once again, we end up causing our own death. You ever thought about that? Have these leftist pinheads out there that say, you know what? If you uh, steal $749 worth of stuff, that's okay. It doesn't matter if the business goes out of business because you've stolen. We're not going to prosecute that. Or once again, we let somebody uh, uh, put somebody on death row for 45 years. And they die of old age? Well, we've exacted just No, 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 no. Not that at all. He says, uh, that that's not wrath. That's not God's wrath. I mean, they'll get God's wrath later on. But in the meantime, what happens when you let the lawlessness go far enough? Good people die. And then society dies. And that's what's happening today. The United States is literally committing suicide by allowing all of the lawlessness to go. Now, I know Joe Biden and all of the rest of the Demitards, that's what I call them, they're not Democrats, there's no, there's no people rule there, it's totally chaotic. I know they think, you know what, we're going to get away with this. We're going to be able to have permanent control over society. We put our thumb on all these, you know, these conservatives and MAGA people and whatever, we're going to put our thumb on that. We're going to... No, you're not. Let me, let me tell you what's going to happen. 
you're going to keep on with your lawlessness and exacting the judgment to the point where eventually you're going to commit suicide. Now, that may be literal in the sense of individuals doing that. They're not going to be able to handle the pressure. They've come to the point where it's like, I can't do this anymore. But it will certainly cause the death of the country. We've seen this before. I mean, we don't need specific examples like the Greeks and the Romans and how they went down the road as an examples where the United States is treading right now. We really don't need that. All we need is what God is saying right here. You know, if, if, if God's people, if God's ministers or rulers, they're not doing God's will, and it is a sin not to, sin always leads to death. We talked about that before. Whether it's the sin of your, of your relationships or your marriage or whatever, your country, it will come to an end. God has promised that. And it's, the United States is right on the cusp of that. I mean, I played taps the other day, signaling the, the it's the end. It is the end. We're just abiding time right now. But a lot of people don't say, oh, well, we've, we've brought so many new jobs. Uh, yeah, well, when you're dead, you're not going to be able to perform them. And when the invaders have created an army that's bigger than your army because you've let them all in and they're doing their thing like they did in New York there, uh, it's not going to do any good. It's going to be one of those, oh, everything is peace and safety and everybody has a job. Everybody has a chicken in every pot, Mercedes Benz in every garage, and everything is wonderful. There's peace and safety. And then comes tragedy. Paul says in verse 5, Therefore, one must, he must be in subjection. There's an imperative when it comes to good rule. If you don't, then like I said, it's the death penalty. Not only to avoid God's wrath, there it is right there in black and white. If you want to avoid God's judgment, then you've got to do it God's way. But we don't want that. At least here in the United States, we don't want that. We want separation of church and state. We don't want a theocracy and all this kind of stuff. As if you could even have a theocracy anyway. The king is not here. But that doesn't mean we don't have God's word here. We don't have God's standard here. We've got it right here in front of us. But we want separation of church and state. We don't want all the freaks telling us what to do. Oh, you'd rather have the other perverted freaks telling you what to do as you jump off the cliff into obscurity. Not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. You know, God has created everybody in his image, and God is a orderly, rational being. He's not like what the what you know the, the direction of the devil he wants to take so many people, once they get off the edge or over the over the edge into the pit. But a lot of people want to go that way. In fact, I, I had a I'll play it sometime. I I could not believe what I was listening to. I just couldn't believe it. And it's over on TikTok. Not that I've got a TikTok account, won't have it. Uh, I don't believe in supporting communist-driven you know, uh, platforms like that. But I couldn't believe what I was hearing. You're saying, well, Paul, quit leaving us in mystery. What did you hear? <laughs> Two advocates saying, you know what? Uh, when it comes to pedophilia, it's a, it's a natural orientation, and we've got to quit, you know, hounding people on this. We've got to let the, the adults molest the kids. It's normal. It's natural. You're forbidding them of love. I'll play the, I'll play the clips where you'll be like, what in the world are you talking about? I'm talking about basically what 
we, we've discussed earlier, but God gave them over to their perversion, going clear back to Romans chapter 1. We're there. We've got people that are sanctioning the idea or promoting or arguing for the idea that it's okay to molest children. It's okay. For conscience sake, we must be in subjection to those who uphold godly rule. Now, if, if, if you don't have a conscience that is willing to do that, guess what's going to happen? Your conscience will be seared. It will become numb to all of the perversion. And pretty soon then you jump in on the feeding frenzy of perversion. And you'll be just like, like, like I said, we talked about this before. What Paul had revealed, God said he gave them up. Gave them up to dishonorable passions for the women to exchange the natural affections and so on and so forth. The men did the same thing. And then before long, what does it say? You know, probably one of the most important verses or chapters in the Bible dealing with human perversion is in chapter 1. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought. Ought, there it is. A moral word ought not to be done. And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, and so on and so forth. And though they know God's righteous decree, they know God set up the government to honor him in a lawful, orderly manner. They know that. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but they give approval. The King James says hearty approval to those who practice them. That's where we're at today, though. We got people sanctioning, saying, hey, pedophilia, what a great deal. Their consciences are seared. They are steeped in perversion. They don't even know what reality is about, or the reality of God's judgment is, is, is waiting right around the corner. And then Paul goes on, he talks about the, the support of the civil government. Because of this, you pay taxes, literally the tribute. Back at that time, it was trying to keep track of people. Uh, where are you at, whether you're a citizen or not? I'm sure that it had much to do with building, you know, uh, 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 an orderly society where people could navigate and get back and forth and so on and so forth. The problem we've got today, though, is that many of those taxes that are being exacted by the so-called civil authorities are either wasted or pilfered. They're stolen, and they want more and more and more. From the average schmo like you and I, I don't know how, there was a couple of years ago, more than a couple of years ago, I went around and around and around with these property tax thieves here in the state of Texas. And they didn't like me because I had them cornered with their own words. Did I stop it? I, I don't know if I necessarily stopped what we got here, though. Uh, it, it was a tax break. They're still stealing it, just not just not as quickly. Did I have any? I, I doubt it. I'm a peon. I'm a nobody. But I think a lot of people recognize what was going on, that the so-called state authorities were stealing money. They're still stealing money. That being the case, it's not that taxes are bad. It's that they're to be used in a good way, and they're not being used in a good way. If they're used in a good way, then glory to God. The <laughs> Paul uses a different word here. The authorities, their ministers, they're liturgists. They're the ones that are involved in the liturgy, <laughs> so, to, so to speak. The worship of God. 
They recognize where their authority comes from, and they're honoring God with the taxes they're collecting. You know, even even Jesus, he picked Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Tax collectors were considered to be pretty rotten people, but apparently Jesus saw something in him. Not that he continued on being corrupt or whatever. The taxes are not a bad thing. Tax collectors are not bad people necessarily. It's when they avoid doing it God's way. And so then Paul closes by, by exhorting, encouraging Christians. Remember, he's writing Christians in Rome to pay to all what is owed them. Don't be delinquent. Don't be a fraud. Don't be a cheat. Don't wait around for Uncle Joey to forgive your student loan debt. Pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. I don't owe anybody any taxes. As much as I, I absolutely hate paying property taxes, mine have always been paid for. Paid mine here recently in the last couple of years. I obviously have to pay the income tax, have to pay for sales tax and tax upon tax and tax and tax and tax. You know, which is all really, if you stop and think about it, here in the United States anyway, I don't know where you're at in the world, but here in the United States, you're only supposed to be taxed once. <laughs> I guarantee you, our money is taxed over and over and over. The, the, they're basically saying you don't own what you earned. And I know several of you, I know some listen in Sweden, uh, your tax or your income tax is extraordinarily high. Oh, you think you're getting all these free services? You're not getting anything for free. And don't let anyone ever tell you, well, you know, our uh, uh, our, our health care is so much more wonderful because it's free health There's no such thing. Somebody pays for it somewhere, and that's what makes it evil. Because once again, a lot of that turns into rot as well. People are stealing from it. Nevertheless... If you owe someone something, pay them. Pay them for what they're worth, whether it's taxes, whether it is revenue. The revenue here is telos, the goal. <laughs> Whatever the goal might be, maybe you're, maybe you're paying your employee. Don't shortchange them. Don't look for ways around to not pay them. Pay them. That's good, godly government. Respect to whom respect is owed. I literally hear the word is fear. Once again, fear those who are running the government because they're doing God's work as a minister or a deacon, and they're doing it in a godly way. Fear them. Give them the reverential respect that's due to them. If not, guess who you're going to fear eventually? It's going to be God's wrath, God and his wrath. And then honor to whom honor. Put those who belong on a pedestal up there. God placed them there in the first place. This doesn't mean, once again, that every person that God has exalted the place of leadership is doing God's work. And that being the case, there is grounds to rebel against them. We see that over in the book of Acts. Uh, a couple of times when, when Peter and John are out doing their thing, preaching in the name of Jesus, and the authorities came down on them, and uh, they were told, don't do that. That's, that's not permissible. And finally they said, we must obey God rather than men. That's rebelling against bad government. There is a difference. So there we are, uh, Romans chapter 13, 1 through 7, dealing with civil government. It's not a bad thing when God institutes it and people or the governing ones are abiding by God's word. It becomes a bad thing when they don't. And then it becomes incumbent upon the Christian to stand up and say something about it from God's perspective. If that doesn't happen, then you deserve what you get. Y'all have a good weekend. 
I look forward to talking to you sometime again in the next podcast as we continue on in our venture through the Christian Constitution, the Book of Romans. You take care.